But Ryan, you know what? When you're not there yourself, how can you expect others to really understand it? So I didn't listen to the counsel I was given by my one of my closest friends who said, dude, you need six months off. And I laughed in his face because I was a workaholic. I loved doing what I was doing. Why would I stop and take half of a year for myself? I thought that was selfish. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. Uh, We are in a new season. We're creating new opportunities, particularly for men to hear what being a man is all about. And we're, we're pulling at that from all different walks of life, all different shapes and sizes and backgrounds. And so uh, today is another one of those opportunities. I will let him uh, do a little bit more of an introduction, but uh, on the other end of the audio or video, however you're taking this in, is a good buddy of mine by the name of John Troutman. And John and I met about two years ago now, uh, just kind of randomly, some people would say, but uh, John and I would agree that it was divinely coincidental uh, that we would run into each other in Las Vegas at an insurance conference of all things. And we just hit it off. We dug into a great conversation. Uh, I would say, and I I think he would agree that we've become good friends over the last couple of years and shared in some war stories. And so I'm pumped uh, to dig into his life a little bit and to have him share some of the, the wisdom and experience that he has. But for now, what up, dude? How are you? Oh, man, Ryan, this is such a total honor to be on this program. Uh, you have become like a brother to me. And again, I don't believe in coincidence. And, you know, that time we first met, I mean, I was at a very different place. And to be totally transparent here, I really believe that I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that first meeting. And just so grateful to you, uh, your willingness to take me under your wing and challenge me and speak truth and uh, get me to a better trajectory, both in business and life. So again, uh, great to be with your audience and with you here today. Thanks. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. No, I mean, you you know, like I'd said, you know, you just become such a good friend and, you know, somebody that, you know, we, we've, we've shared in some, you know, very deep conversation with, and, and I think that's important. I mean, whether it's in the context of what we're going to talk about today or just in general, I think that, you know, in many ways through business, through, uh, marriage, through parenting, just life in general, and especially in the context of the culture that we live in today. I mean, we are going to war every single day. And if we don't have people that are standing alongside us and even sometimes going before us, we can get into a lot of deep shit right away. So <laughs> you know, it, it, it's great to have, you know, brothers to walk that with. So why don't you just give, you know, a a little bit of a brief background um, for everybody else on who you are, because I think that will give some context to some of the things that we're going to talk about. Yeah, great. I appreciate that. So I was a pastor for a few months, sort of 20 years uh, at the same church, same place, a congregation of around 400 people. And uh, like the host of the show, I could never treat an individual like a number I, I still, to this day, genuinely care for every connection I have. and But through the course of 20 years, to make a very long story abbreviated here, um, that loss of going through over 40 funerals and in one year alone of, of doing over 14 funerals, uh, one was my best friend in life who uh, died in a treadmill. 
Uh, I lost my father-in-law. I lost two grandparents and uh, very key members of the community who in many ways were part of my life. So I'm a high D, high I personality type out there for you people who understand DISC. So always uh, being driven and self-motivated. That was a real challenge for me to to handle because I just kept pushing and I burned out. I was told to take a six month break and uh, that was a joke in my mind. And again, to keep this to the point and very brief here, um, I had to go through incredibly dark seasons of burnout uh, to understand that I needed to get the help. I needed to get mental health attention and take care of myself before I could take care of others. So I got into sales. I can go into this a little more deeper if you have those kind of questions. But part of that journey was being told by a CFO that my resume was the equivalent of a stay-at-home mom. And I don't mean any disrespect to moms out there, but uh, that was a, a definite low point in my life, but a great challenge. So um, I've been a big believer that progress sometimes is a snail step. And I leveraged that in about 10 different sales positions um, to get to where I am today. Chuck Mazzetti took me under his wing early on seven years ago and said, hey, you've been an accomplished speaker as a pastor. Why not do some trainings, present presentations for us? And that's what I started doing on the side in addition to sales roles. But through the course of that relationship and helping them with things, uh, in my success in sales and other businesses, they brought me in full-time in business development. So I can look employers, I can look brokers in the face and talk about burnout from experience. I'm not a clinician, but I know it happens when you push yourself too far and don't take care of yourself. So that's the snapshot, brother, but uh, to where I am today. And again, from a coaching standpoint, uh, listening, uh, trying to implement your advice and counsel, both in business and life has been incredibly helpful in improving my trajectory. So that's the snapshot, man. <laughs> And in addition to that, right, husband, uh, father to three kids, right? Three? Four kids, two boys, Four two girls. Kids. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, no, you're never short on responsibility. Uh, you, you give up one and you take on another. I also think that uh, while obviously you served far longer in a pastoral role than I did, I do find it quite fascinating that you stepped out of that role uh, because you were burnt out and you chose to get into a sales role, which is one of the quickest ways to burn yourself back out. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment, brother. <laughs> Seriously. So if you hear anything from this, just uh, just know that, that that's John. If, if, if you need someone to get to the front and just grind it out, John's your guy. <clears throat> that's good. Okay, so um, I, I do, I'm going to actually pull back on some of what you said, because I think it's really helpful. But uh, to, to set the tone for this conversation, uh, I've had some interesting feedback uh, when I ask this because people try and perfect it, and I just don't know how you can do that. Uh, but for you, if somebody was to ask you, <clears throat> you know, what um, we'll take, you know, like the, the the clean gender role aside, you know, how would you define a man or manhood? Yeah. So uh, taking ownership of your life of your relationships and your job in respect to everyone else around you. Um, I could go on and, and, and define that differently and, and more fine tune it if, if you like. Um, but in today's world, 
where men are encouraged to take a back seat, where they're encouraged to stay on the bench, when they're told to step aside. Um, and a lot of times, well, any time in leadership, when there is a, a void of leadership, someone else is going to fill it. So right. I think a big challenge today is that men just need to step up, take ownership of all that's their life and those around them. And uh, a lot better things can be going on. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I get in a lot of trouble when I say uh, things like that I'm about to say, but that's okay. You know, I, I feel like a big part of why the world is in the place that it is, is because men in general have failed the world. Um, you know, during the course of my lifetime, <clears throat> I think that uh, I, I saw a reasonably balanced uh, definition of manhood and men taking responsibility. I think that was probably, you know, post-war, um, you know, just that leaking into to even maybe my generation, which I guess I would be uh, Generation X, um, kind of on the cusp there. And and then we 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 moved into this generation of toxic masculinity. And I understand that there was a lot of overreach. There was a lot of domineering. Um, just, um, you know, it, it was, it was very, very aggressive. And so we've seen the pendulum swing back though. So far, I think guys ran away from toxic masculinity, but, you know, because it was good to do that, but in doing so they didn't come back to the middle. They just, and you said it, right. I mean, this went and took a seat. And, 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 and some of that is the narrative that is playing out in other areas of culture, but you know, I, I just feel like men in general have failed society today because they're just watching. They're not, like you said, you know, they're not stepping up. They're not protecting. They're not providing. It's just, it's so disgusting to see where we are as men in the world today. And again, that's a big generality. And I know that there are a lot of men that are doing well and taking charge in the right ways, but it's a fraction of what it could be. Can I just follow up on something you said? Yeah. Well, yeah. So to greater explain what I'm talking about is that, that total ownership piece, because I'm going to lead with one of my greatest failures, brother. And that is I didn't take ownership of my emotions. I thought because I was a man, because I was that, hey, I'm, you, you can't tell on this interview, but I'm 6'5", 284. You know, people see this larger than average figure and, you know, it's that man, it's that false thing of man. Oh, I can't let people see me cry. Guess what I've learned the hard way. I'm going to be that man that's in the back row of the church crying during that worship song. I, I'm going to be that man that cries in the theater during that movie that, that touches your heart. But guess what? I'm also going to bust it in the gym and probably do better than the other guys my age around me. That's okay. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Ownership is learning to be okay to express your emotions. Right. Too many men are, are concerned about what others think. Who cares? We need to deal with our emotions. They're there for a reason. And you know what? Right. Truth be told, they're like a barometer of our lives. And I turned that barometer off and never processed death. But I believe there's a slew of people that are listening to this today that have captured their emotions, bound them and not released them, and they're not handling them. And that barometer is going all over the place because they've yep. never really addressed the storm that's raging inside. Man, that's so good. And you know, if, if, you, if you're paying attention uh, and heard that, 
rewind that, listen to that clip again. If you're hearing me say, pay attention and you're like, to what? You need to go, you need to rewind. You need to re-listen to that clip again. I mean, it, it's it, it it's so true and it's so scary because, you know, uh, obviously men and women, again, generally operate pretty differently emotionally. And that's fine. That's the way that God intended it to be. What we typically see from men is, is when they continue to harbor and shelter and compartmentalize, whether it's sadness or shame or anger or anything else, before long, it becomes uncontrollable. And the natural reaction for almost every single man, because we all get into that fight or flight, is we act out in rage. We act out in anger. And that comes across to our families, to our friends, to the community, to the general public. I mean, it's why we see guys absolutely lose their minds more often than anything else is because they haven't been taught to or haven't chosen to learn how to deal with those emotions, right? I mean, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster. Exactly, exactly. And the thing that the, the real challenge there, and in particularly in burnout, and I understand every case is different. I'm not going to assume that a person who's on listening to this today who's struggling with burnout is identical to my situation, but it combines your personality profile. And now you act that out in the most heinous way. So because I'm a high D, high I, I'm now passionately driven to cause chaos in my home. And in that time, because I didn't deal with those things and I didn't address the pain and I didn't address the loss and I just kept going on to the next thing, the next thing, I acted out and I destroyed almost all my relationships. I destroyed my character in a community, which I invested everything short of my soul in for two decades. And there's no rebuilding some of those things, not to mention what goes on in a person's body, right? Do you know those wellness wheels we see that show all those things that happen in unchecked or unmanaged stress? I almost had everything on that entire sheet. And it's not funny, but I can laugh at it now. But it was, it was as close to hell as I hope I ever come. But here's the worst part. It wasn't just me. I was Those, those ripples were going out to my kids, my wife my community, my extended family. And those were things I wasn't even paying attention to because my barometer was so screwed. Yeah. You know, you brought up a couple of times <clears throat> DISC, and I think that more people today don't know what that is than do. I think that was something that was extremely popular probably during our generation of, you know, getting into the professional world. Um, but, you know, for most, uh, I'll, I'll call them personality assessments, uh, just kind of simp simply, and the Enneagram is probably the biggest one of today. And the Enneagram does a better job than most of the ones previous to it did. But I think that a lot of times what happens is, is whether a guy just says, well, I'm a man and this is what I do. Or we take those assessments and they demonstrate the character of who we are, the nature of who we are, how we act, how we behave. Then we just accept that as fact, right? And so it's, you know, I, you know, my personality assessment shows that I am an overly aggressive person or I'm, I'm extremely outspoken. So that's just the way I am. And what I've noticed over time is because, you know, I don't know, 25 years ago, I think when I first took the disc, I was high D, high I. Um, and what's been interesting over time is, is I would probably still test exactly the same. It's been a long time since I've done that. But one thing that the Enneagram showed uh, when I went through it with the facilitator, which was different than just me taking it myself, was it showed what my natural tendencies were, but it also showed how over time 
I have been able to transform those to become more positive because I'm aware of the negative aspects of those things. So I think that what you're talking about is so important and something that you've learned over the course of your career. And obviously we're still learning is just because we're a certain way doesn't mean we have to stay that way, right? We can learn to behave and operate differently than we're told we have to, because again, we're a certain way. Right. Again, quoting Sun Tzu here, you know, understanding your, your strengths of yourself and your opponent, understanding your weaknesses in yourself and your opponent. So sales isn't just about understanding our competitors. It's about understanding where we lack, right? But mm. we need to take that to the personal level. What's that? Where's John's greatest strengths? But those greatest strengths are going to be my greatest weakness as well, because the sword goes both ways. So understanding what are the pitfalls of being a D or the pitfalls of being an I or S or a C, right? Because the sword does strike both ways. Oh, so true. So true. Okay, reaching back into um, your past, and so you went <clears throat> 20 years uh, in a pastoral role, uh, and that was where you experienced the greatest bit of burnout, um, and you know, as I'm sure as you got closer to the end, the burnout got greater, the tension, the stress, the pressure, so I'm really curious, where were the guys around you? And if they were around you, what were they saying as you were starting to either verbally express or, you know, even just in body language and action, starting to express the characteristics of somebody that just wasn't okay? Yeah. So unlike a a, a Purdue turkey, there's no button that pops out that says burnout, right? So. Uh, you know, or, or anything like that. It, this, the symptoms vary. And again, this is a person to person thing. So um, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I can tell you looking back um, that I did not feel right. I couldn't put my finger on it. I've never was at a place like that before. Um, again, I was having anxiety attacks daily. I was leaving my house and going to my office and just starting to cry for no reason at all not realizing it was because the multiple homes of the people whose funerals I had done had never had time to process those. And the people who saw me just in, in a different way were just saying to me, you know, is, there, is everything okay? They were asking questions. They didn't know either. Mm-hmm. So there, there, wasn't, there wasn't real obvious signs until I started making extreme major life changes in decision-making, both uh, in relationship, uh, in money, making expenses on things. And my wife was the first to know. But you know, when it got to that point, quite frankly, it was really too late. So I was advised by family to go to get counseling. But when you're a high D, and again, there was transitions going on at my church, and I was going to be, you know, I was actually the new senior pastor after that course of time. And now all that responsibility, who's going to take six months off when you're just being brought in, right? So, you know, I want to make this clear. There was a season in my life I was incredibly bitter towards those who had passed false judgment in many ways. But Ryan, you know what? When you're not there yourself, how can you expect others to really understand it? So I didn't listen to the counsel I was given by my one of my closest friends who said, dude, you need six months off. And I laughed in his face because I was a workaholic. I love doing what I was doing. Why would I stop and take half of a year for myself? I thought that was selfish. Okay, so 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 before you move right 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 from there, and, and I hate to interrupt a good train of thought, but that 
is something that's so, so critical for people to hear, because I think there is, and I heard a little bit of this too, but you know, one side of it, and, and many people may go through the, the, the experience of there weren't people around that were, uh, that were being let in or that just were, were jumping in to try and, to try and help you figure out what was going on. But I think that what, what you just expressed right there is something that is probably more consistent with a lot of the quote unquote high performing individuals that we're interacting with just because of our desire to be successful. And so somebody said to you, something is wrong. You need to do something about it. And your response was generally, right? I got this. I can deal with it like that. You know, I've been here before. I, I, I can deal with this again. And I think that that is one of the biggest mistakes that I've made in my life that I continue to make in my life, even now, like I, I haven't experienced a massive disaster of some sort, thank God in a few years, but even in the small things, there's just too many times when my wife or a friend is like, dude, you need to chill out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Just push through. I'll get it. And there's, and there's wisdom sometimes in just grinding through, right? We don't have to take a step back every time something gets hard. But I think that when you know your nature is to bulldoze, you need to be more open to people saying, time to take a break. Exactly, exactly. And that's, and that's very hard for me. And again, being totally transparent here to this, uh, this is not something I can cross off my list. Right. <laughs> right, right. This is something so I am, you know, and, and I follow your, your, your thought process and how you coach people to success is not a destination or point, but I have been that way my whole life. You can't see it here. I'm a hunter. I've got Pope and Young, you know, trophies on my walls. Those were life goals and objectives. And I'm not bragging about it, but that's just the person I am. If I set a goal, I'm going to get there. I'm going to find a way to get there. So when I got to my position and someone said, stop, why would I just was so foreign to me because I never went through burnout before. But having been there, I take my stops. I take my stops moving forward. That's good. That's so good. And again, you know, your case was, you know, that you're, that you're clearly calling burnout and was, was of a significant magnitude. I think a lot of people that are hearing this and will hear this aren't there. It's not that everybody is at the end of themselves, right? Like, I mean, God ripped every possession that I had worked so hard for away from me to teach me that there was something more important than money. God ripped a friend from me and almost took my wife from me in order for me to really see how valuable relationships were, even though I already saw them as so valuable. So there's the extreme. But then sometimes, again, it's just the small little things that we need to be better about paying attention to because there's somebody out there right now that is working their ass off during the day every single day. They're going home. There's smiles at home. It's it's pretty good all the way around, but they lay their head on their pillow at night and they're like, gosh, I, I just, I don't know when I'm going to get out of this and move on to the next thing. And even that alone, I believe, begins that period of, I'm just going to work a little bit harder. I'm just going to push a little bit more. I'm going to sacrifice a little bit more of this in my life to, 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 to move it over to here. And again, individually, those things aren't bad. But when it starts creating this burden in, in us and so much stress in us, before long, we're 70 miles off course and we don't know how to get back. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of discussion out there today about mental health, right? It's in the forefront, it's on the papers, it's on the magazines, it's in the benefit, you know, magazines. But the difference is, my question is, what's being done? We're doing a lot of talking about it, but what's being done? We take our cars, depending on your make and model and all that. I mean, every 5,000, 10,000 miles, that car's going in. Whatever happened about regular maintenance for your mental health? I'm just going to go talk to somebody. It's going to be on my calendar. I'm going to do this. Instead, we wait until the fire's burning and we're feeling like we're a little fried. And so for that person out there, it's not selfish to go talk to somebody about mental health and to schedule that on a regular basis and just do a checkup for your own mental well-being. And that's something that we need to do and stop talking about. I mean, we see that and I see that in sales. The amount of proposals that we are getting now compared to before is insane. But people aren't making decisions on adding those services the way you would think. It's not in proportion because, well, we just want to hold the line. And I understand that. And I'm not condemning any business owner out there for those decisions. I get that. But at some point, we need to act and be proactive with people's mental health and talk about these difficult topics so that people don't damage their company and their house. Yeah, no, that that's so good. I mean, you know, for me, I, I, I was... I was deep into this most recent kind of sprint season of my life. And I knew that I was about to explode. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't losing it. There was nothing in it, you know, really bad. It just, I knew it was coming. And so thankfully God brought somebody to me that opened my eyes to this uh, mastermind uh, that I could become a part of, and they're focusing on five areas: so professional, personal, relational, financial, and spiritual. And it's so fascinating because I'm on a call, you know, uh, once a week with this group of eight, ten, twelve guys, uh, depending on who can make it. They're all, most of them are way more successful than I am. We're definitely talking about business structure and operation and growth and things like that. But so much of it turns into how are you doing? Like, you know, you, you just experienced a loss of somebody close to you. What's that like for you right now? How, how are you processing that? Or you're really burdened by what's going on. Are you okay? How are you dealing with that? And that alone has been such a huge refresher because I know that I have a place that I can go, that I can trust them, that I can open up, that I can share. And I'm listening to other people do the same thing. So it doesn't feel like I'm the only one in the midst of all these guys that are out there with all their shit together and I'm a big mess, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's something that I learned uh, coming out of there too is, you know, if you want to go far, build a team. You want to go fast, you know, go solo. And, you know, I'm a long game, I'm a long range thinker and I, I try to plan for way down the road. And coming out of of burnout, that's something that I did. I I pay more attention to you now. I pay more attention to people like Andy Neary and others out there. Um, I I have a person like Gary Wevedo, a person who, you know, loves God, loves people, and is a successful business person who I give him sole access to my spiritual universe, if you will, to, to challenge me and just to text me anytime and say, dude, you know, how's the barometer? Where is it at? And I, you know, I gave him the keys, if you will, to help keep me on the road because left unchecked, you know, I'm capable of hitting the repeat button and I just don't want any part of that. Yeah, that's good. So as you think about, and we're getting, I guess, ready to land the plane here, but, um, you know, 
sometimes we're, we're having to, uh, I'm having to drive a lot of these questions. I think, you know, through this, we've heard the thread of, you know, how you have experienced uh, struggle with emotion and vulnerability and, and how you've grown through that and how you have denied outside counsel. And now you've, you've brought that into your life. I, I think that those, you know, we, we've seen this trajectory of growth. And at the same time, you said that, you know, you're still very, very heightened in your awareness for the possibility for things like that to happen, because in many ways, you're still the same person. Um, so as you look forward uh, out the next year, five years, 10 years, whatever, how do you feel like you're going to continue to shape uh, yourself in such a way that it's going to better model uh, what you're modeling today? Yeah, so allowing trusted voices to speak truth into your life that includes business, right? So um, my personality, you know, I wanted to do it my way. Yes, I was a team leader and I was involved in that. But in the end, you know, I had my own way and style, but um, allowing and not every voice is a trustworthy voice. Not every expert, not every guru is worthy to be followed, but finding those credible people that who can be not just listen and apply, but to be accountable to. Accountability is huge. So I have chosen, it's a choice. I've chosen to daily be accountable to people. I've, I've chosen to uh, allow people like yourself, quite, quite truthfully, to, to enter into my universe and to tell me things that I may not want to hear. So I'm going to include them in my journey moving forward, and I'm not going to let them go. <laughs> so um, they've been a part of that transition, and that's a big part of my success in business and life. Yeah, no, man, I, I think that I think that's so good. And, you know, as people are listening out there, you know, probably one of the things that they're going to then ask is, so how do I find people like that? And how do I lay out the parameters for, you know, how I want them to operate? So do you have any advice that you have taken on in terms of, again, kind of finding it and then managing it in such a way that, you're getting the right people at the right time. Yeah, so I mean, it goes without, well, maybe it doesn't go without saying, so I'll just state it and, and probably have to apologize to you later. <laughs> there's two people right here. I mean, there's two people right here. That, that, that person out there who's got an issue or whatever, there's two people right here. We got Ryan Miller and John Troutman, two people who could be willing to take a call or a, a direct message or something. So that person who's believing a lie, thinking nobody's out there, you're instantly wrong because there's two right here. So... So from that circle, again, we can't take 10,000 calls or, or have or do all of that, but I can. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so everybody has somebody, right? And if nothing else, I mean, if you don't, if you don't think you have anybody, you know, that that's an issue where I would really encourage talking to a counselor because maybe something else is going on. Talking to that skilled person in trust, you know, who's going to be and keeping confidentiality before you go anywhere else, because maybe there's some other things going on that you need to address before you find that friend, because not everybody you've got a friend on Facebook is really a friend. It's mm, good. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that. And I think it's so important that, you know, you, you communicated what you did just around the idea that, you know, there are people out there that really do care and it's hard. Um, I think that, 
uh, as men, and uh, you know, I'm sure women deal with many of the same things, but you know, as men, uh, we're dealing with um, a lot of past experience coupled with present reality. On top of that, a whole host of shame uh, and embarrassment because you know, when we desire to have it all together and then there's things that are falling apart, those become the worst things to open up and talk about. Um, we carry a lot of pride with us and rightfully so, um, you know, the, the good type, but you know, that can be a weapon used against us when we're trying to humble ourselves enough to open up to other people. And so I understand that there is a lot of struggle to reach out, to open up, but I appreciate what you said. You know, there are people out there, you know, and, and you said, you know, you are including yourself in that. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do is just be there for somebody else and listen. And we may not have an answer at all. And sometimes it's just listening. Other times it's just pointing them in the direction of somebody else that can help them. But if you do not reach out, if you do not ask for help, if you do not communicate that you need help, then I hate to say this, but it's your fault. And, and you are going to continue to have to own the mistake you're making and not opening up and allowing other people in. And that's the mistake you need to own. Outside of that, everything else you can grow through, you can learn from, but if you're not willing to go first, you're in a world of hurt. So good words, man. Well, if I can just say one more thing here, you know, yeah. I, I want to put the blame on me from my past because for too long, I thought people put people in ministry too high on a pedestal. I don't agree with that. It's the people in that position that allowed them to think that way. I wasn't as transparent as I could have been. I wasn't as clear about my weaknesses. I wasn't telling people where I really needed some help. And I wasn't willing to get the help where I needed it either. And so to that person out there, this is a broken world. There is no perfect person. There was only two who walked on water and they both got crucified. So just think about that. We all are broken. We all could talk to a counselor. So it's not showing that you're weak. It's actually showing that you're strong and you're willing to own and be that responsible individual for the great things that God's given you. That's a good word. That's how we end it, man. John, that was awesome. I mean, again, you just so appreciate the tone and the nature of what you shared, um, it makes total sense why God connected us the way that he did. And it wasn't just for what's led up to now, but for now and for everything that's going to continue on in the future. If you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I'm struggling in an area or I don't know if there's something that I'm holding on to and need to let go of, ask John's contact information will obviously be in the show notes of the podcast episode. If you're listening, you probably know how to find me, but feel free to message me anywhere that you can find. I'm more than happy to help. This stuff is so important because not only do we need to step up and be men to right the world today, but we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our families. We owe it to our businesses. We owe it to our friends. And we owe it to every single person that we're going to come into contact with to be the men that God has created us to be. So with that, as always, thanks so much for listening. Be you, be happy, be authentic. Peace. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. 
I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.